This is the Counterculture Comet Podcast, and this week it's High School Murder Call with Deadly Class. Also, Tom and Jerry doesn't do it for us anymore, so we read the webcomic Scurry. Brock has some shit coming up, and you can see him somewhere, so that's exciting. Buy him a drink or buy a shit. It doesn't matter because 2016 is the year the music died. Someone, don't take this as a hint, to kill Don McLean. He doesn't get to die the same year as Bowie and Prince. <laughs> oh, taking a swipe at Henley. Nice. Don McLean. Or Don McLean, sorry. I, Don for some Henley. Reason, yeah, Don Henley, whatever. Let's throw Don Henley in there, too. Um, <laughs> you think you you would think, uh, you know, he'd be taken out by a different, another eagle before anything else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man. Oh, this last week's been rough on me. I, I don't get upset usually over celebrity deaths uh but being a minnesota resident and having grown up in minnesota in elementary school when prince was at his height man that was a rough week and just walking past first avenue because i walk right by it pretty much every day going to and from work yeah it was it was kind of tough i mean just amazing the amount of outpouring i think minnesota shut down that afternoon certainly seemed like it from the news uh, i don't live there so yeah. like two hours after uh it was announced that it was in fact prince uh the police already had first avenue barricaded off and the the road was reduced down a lane and they had okay. the street next to it all barricaded off and yeah for some of us for some of us who are not from minnesota uh, why is first avenue important it is where the bulk of purple rain was shot Okay. A prince essentially made First Avenue p- famous, and it's right in the middle of downtown Minneapolis, and it's a independent club that was always is always focused on up and coming acts and kind of indie acts. And Purple Rain, the movie, was shot there, and it just blew up into the stratosphere after that point. All right, good reason. And good everybody's reason. seen probably the Prince star. First Avenue now is covered in stars with musicians' names who are who have performed there. And so the Prince star was just surrounded by people leaving guitars and flowers and purple balloons and Yeah, it was it was a really emotional place to be. And I'm not one who typically gets emotional about that sort of thing. Well the uh I mean what can I say? The uh the uh it was a. Uh... Prince is again one of those people you're like, nah, Prince never. Yeah, that guy did that. Guy no, can't it, die. he can't. He can't. It's not even possible. It's like it, it, it's like the universe created him, so it can't uncreate him. Yeah, he, he's the, he's immortal essentially, and that was what I think it took me a, a day or two to really process it. Was growing up in northern Minnesota, uh, my brother, the first person to leave the house uh, as an adult, moved to Minneapolis. And Minneapolis was this, you know, fantastic, weird place where this 
short little black man i did not understand making these crazy mu this crazy music that a 10 year old loved but couldn't comprehend fully um and my brother would come back and he'd be like i saw prince it was amazing i was just at a club and he just rolled in with these two giant bodyguards and so there was always this uh, heightened mystique behind prince for me well one of the things he's one of those guys that is so like there's no um there's no shame in liking that guy at all. There's not a, a, a moniker of it. He was insanely talented. Oh, ridiculously talented. The um, the that and and completely dedicated to maintaining what he had built, like yeah. in maintaining who he was. The you have um, <laughs> I was just listening to a story on a podcast where somebody was talking about Prince hanging out. Um, at his own pool with one of his own band, band members and he comes out and of course Prince appeared nowhere without his hairdo, including his own backyard. Oh yeah. Yeah. He uh, was, that was the only thing that was the only thing he was going to do for that day was hanging out in the backyard with a band member. Mm -hmm. Um, and there he comes out hair. Perfect. <laughs> um, and, and you know, any other, any other uh, music star, you know, pop star, or whatever that does that, it would be uh, completely. I mean, it it would be comical to the extreme. And but the problem with touch, the problem is, is that then you know when Prince hit the, hits the stage, there's no arguing with what that guy does. Yeah, like the, it's not. There's no argue that. There's no argument that he he made himself that he when when uh that he loved what he did that um that he showed respect for others who did it um uh just an just an amazing just an amazing talent uh, yeah incredible talent like i said to my wife afterwards i said prince could write a lyric in the beginning God created the sea, but on the seventh day he created me. And we laugh at it because we all accept that Prince is just fantastic and he's just this enigma of a man. But if Kanye wrote that, everyone would want to punch him in the face. Yeah. You know, he, he had this gravitas to him, which is amazing that this little five foot two black man from North Minneapolis just had this amazing <clears throat> ability to do basically whatever he wanted and he was pretty good at it and if anybody ha out there hasn't seen it i heavily advise you to go watch the jimmy fallon story about prince and ping pong it's so quintessentially <laughs> prince and it just ends with the line after prince has beaten uh jimmy fallon badly at ping pong of all things just ends it with ask your boy and it was just it's just this beautiful story about prince being every eccentric thing you can possibly imagine about prince but yeah yeah uh, so. so uh it's a great loss it really is to i mean to music and just just society as a whole because i mean he was such a philanthropist and it was just an amazing guy made us rethink 
what masculinity was, especially for people of color and like just an enigma. I mean, that's really the only way you can describe them. And this yep. is a comic book podcast, right? Yeah, no, yeah, it's just, sorry. I I have. There's, by the way, there is no venue or no website that I've read, whether it is um, sports, uh, tech news, uh, anything, car, uh, you know, car review websites or car news websites. Everybody reported uh, was talking about Prince. Yeah, I mean, he was. Uh, just that prolific yeah it's just weird i mean there's no like nobody's like no 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 prince lives forever <laughs> that happens like no that that's that's it's no no this this didn't happen you know and um, i'm a huge bowie fan i adored bowie and everything about him and it was just kind of jaw-dropping to see the uh eiffel tower the eye of london uh the superdome and uh, New Orleans, uh, the uh, Empire State Building, everything around the world was lit up purple that night. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of mind blowing to think that, wow, you know, the French liked Prince that much that they lit up the Eiffel Tower purple when he died. I mean, he's the only, he's the only person on the, on the planet who actually lays claim to a color. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> It's fascinating, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it, it was a it was a tough week here in uh, Minneapolis. Lots yeah. of people drudging around and just kind of stunned disbelief because everyone thought Prince was immortal. Yeah, uh, but so uh, all right. Well, we could yeah. we could talk some Prince, or uh, I mean, but uh, there's what else to be said? Yeah, amazing guy. Oh, uh, I'm going to be at a couple comic book conventions. Uh, Next week, the first weekend of May, I'm going to be at Minneapolis Wizard World. So swing by. I'm at table C28, I think. C30, maybe. Something like that. Uh, There's a bunch of us from Twin Cities Comic Collective. We're all there. Come by. See us all. It'll be awesome. And then the following week, I'm doing MSP Comic Con, which is over in St. Paul in the Minnesota State Fairgrounds. So if you're in the area, definitely come by. Say hi. Um, if you do a Prince cosplay, I have a painting, a print of a painting that I will be giving away to anyone I see who is cosplaying Prince. They are not for sale. You have to show me you love the man because I did this piece and I had three people offer to buy it right off the bat. I had a bunch of people ask for Prince. I can't in good conscience take money after the guy died. So... If you love Prince, swing by. You might get one. Well, I'm going to have to get a wig. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I would kill to see you in a Prince cosplay. Oh, my God. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown. <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I, I've, I've, I guess i got a project now. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, And... Uh... Let's see. Can I put one together in a month? <laughs> uh, that's that's that's, uh, that's a tall order. Well, I'd only give you a print if you actually rode the airplane out here in that costume. I'm not in the airplane. 
No, yeah. I'm not being beat up by a bunch of Minnesotians who who think that I'm insulting the guy. That's true. That 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 could be an that unfortunate is, that is not outcome. The, that is not how I want you know that that uh, epitaph to be written. Although here in Minnesota, uh, we have such an adoration of Prince that anyone can cosplay as Prince in any form of Prince, and we're just going to be cool with it, unless you honestly have like a Prince sucks shirt on underneath it or something <laughs> then we'll beat the living fuck out of you but other than that it's all good all right so okay i'll i'll uh i'll be careful um all right so comic books comic books yeah let's jump on over to deadly class and uh this book is written by rick remender with art by wesley craig and lee loridge um, it is inevitably published by Image because everything we read is published by Image. But quick rundown. It's 1987. Marcus Lopez hates school. His grades suck. The jocks are hassling his friends. He can't focus in class. But the jocks are the children of Joseph Stalin's top assassin. The teachers are members of an ancient league of assassins. The class he's failing is Dismemberment 101, and his crush has a double-digit body count. Welcome to the most brutal high school on Earth, where the world's top crime families send the next generation of assassins to be trained. So, I didn't read... Nick picked this book, and I didn't read any description. And it starts with the main character, Marcus... He is a homeless child after his parents were killed in a an interesting fashion. Um, very, uh, very not a Bruce Wayne type situation here. No. Um, and so he lives his life on the streets in San Francisco. And one day he is just approached by uh, these people who introduce him to this fantastic new world of killing things. It's kind of a tongue-in-cheek poke at you know like a john hughes film or uh you know the 80s teen comedies that were so uh prevalent during that decade and what what were your kind of thoughts on it um i um when the book gets close to turning into like a high school uh kind of like a a high school analogy uh, I was drifting a little bit. Yeah. Uh, cause I'm like, I, you know, I, I've, I've seen so much high school stuff and, and when it started getting too close to seeming like, you know, regular high school outcast bullying and all that, uh, I'm like, eh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I need that story again. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, when it, when it drifts in a little bit to more of, um, you know them kind of more coming of age stuff yeah and less high school uh yeah. drama i started liking the book more um the uh the only there a couple things so a few things worked for me and that was um and and that was mixing in a little bit of his angst kind of worked mm-hmm. uh for me um, the, uh, and then his, and then his desire to stay, stay where he had decided to go. Um, the, uh, um, what didn't work for me was, um, the villain buildup. Yeah. Um, I, 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 f- I felt that they, the, I, I felt that the way that, that he was introduced was an attempt to try to do a different take on a villain introduction. Um, and, 
I, I, it felt un. It felt like it didn't make sense to me. Okay. The uh, it just it just felt. Uh, I'm like, oh well, you know, when somebody just throws down the gauntlet and says, "I am your villain," that's that <laughs> that to me destroys destroys motive. Yeah, and I. I really had issues with how the villain was introduced. Uh, it is a bestiality scene, yeah. which, to quote another uh, musician who was mentioned in this comic, that joke isn't funny anymore. Yeah. Uh, it just feels so hackneyed. Like, yeah, it, it's... I, I mean, it, it feels like Preacher. It feels like uh, Garthiness. It feels like so many things I've seen before and it didn't do anything for the character. I mean, is that his main quirk is he likes to get it on with animals? That's. And the reason why it worked in preacher, by the way, is because they did it with a character who was, who was there to show you exactly how sane and dangerous his, his uh, partner was. Mm -hmm. That's why it worked in. That's why it worked there. Yeah. Uh, it um, it wouldn't have worked if the if the actual um, what was his name um, uh, uh, I don't remember his name now um, I would it wouldn't have worked if the actual big bad of that story arc um, if that guy was the guy who was fucking the chickens yeah um, it was uh, it, 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 so in this one it kind of makes him look. In this one, it kind of makes them like they're trying to roll a um, like a country sort of a country badass, and you make him come off as a twisted fucker all in one. Yeah, but we've seen that character a hundred times. That's yeah. that's kind of my problem is that at the root, the character is less interesting with that trait. Because I just feel like he's being stamped out of alternative press comics. Like, yeah. oh, wh what can we do to be edgy? Uh, no, it's not really edgy if I've seen it 50 times. It, it would have been the, the way to, I mean, just kind of playing the, uh, you know, uh, trying to rewrite a little bit. Um, my suggestion would have been to make him be following some sort of some sort of separate path that would have led him to be a um, a experienced and deadly killer, mm -hmm. but in some way that is that that works for keeping him on the opposite of the main character. Um, I just, I mean, I know that's, I mean, it sounds like a lot to do, or it's tough to do. I just, I just don't feel like in this particular sense he worked. I was more interested in the than the the characters they had introduced in the high school absolutely in the, in the murder school than i was with him oh yeah i i um, if he was around i just wanted him to go away um one thing about this comic is the first issue is fantastic if you want to write a comic book this that first issue is a good template about how to write a series uh the first issue of a series it tells you everything you need to know about the protagonist at the very end it introduces where it's going and you can read it by itself it makes sense 
and it makes you want to read more without holding back details. It tells you the protagonist's entire history in the first issue, basically. It introduces him, his world, yep. um, and the world in which he's entering. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't make you want to read more by cheaply withholding things. It gives you solid foundation and backstory and all these things that just make you want to read more. And kudos to Remender for doing that because <clears throat> so few writers do nowadays. I mean, we bitch about it every other podcast. Yeah, the uh, writing for the trade. Um, this one definitely has a has a uh, a very strong hook at the beginning. Yeah. I did I did uh, by the end of the the first part of this. I did really want to read more. I, I'm I was glad that you know when holding the trade in my hand that I had a lot more pages in my right hand. Yep, in my right hand. Yep. Um. So the. Uh, um. So yeah, it, I think it did. It it started off really strong. I just yeah, I think that everything it did. Um, I even felt that the um, the acid scene. I uh, loved the acid scene. It got the build up on it is like okay, it's 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 building and building, and then when that scene truly gets going, um, I was I, I was really impressed. Yeah, and the and, the characters, the protagonist spends the entire second half of the first trade on an acid trip and the way it's presented both visually and through the character's dialogue and other characters reacting to him it's lovely and they went straight to the uh, same source materials fear and loathing in las vegas where if somebody's on acid you have to take them to circus circus <laughs> anyone who's been to circus circus before will find this absolutely delightful because, because circuit cir circus circus if you're sober or whatnot just seems like a you know a colorful kids land or something like that with gambling but go there imagine you just imagine going there on acid all of a sudden that place becomes insane a hellscape yeah it's yeah <laughs> just a terrifying landscape of monsters yep um the uh but i think <clears throat> the my favorite part about that whole trip is how it went between um you know a sort of se um semi-sane self-examination mm -hmm. to just you know things just going sideways oh and yeah everything <clears throat> goes sideways in a big way through the second half of this book and not coincidentally, it's when they get back away from the high school environment that the book starts picking up immediately again. Yeah. And it starts with the acid trip in a Grateful Dead concert, and then it moves to Las Vegas, and then everything unravels from there. And the the first issue of this book is really good. The fifth and sixth issues, I think it's a six-issue trade, mm -hmm. are also really good. Yeah. The uh, the school part in the middle isn't nearly as strong. Yeah, it's a bit like I mean, it's a bit like telling it's a bit like telling Batman's origin story. Yeah, you know the whenever you dip into high school and clicks, we have seen it, we've read it, yep. over and over and over again. Um, the uh, and everybody's been I mean. It, 
yeah, you would say, is this somebody's first story about that? I don't know. <laughs> I think that that's, I think that that, that is played out in every, um, oh fuck, almost every, uh, entertainment for any, any entertainment for kids or for tweens. Mm-hmm. Um, that is played up. So by the time you're getting to the point where you're reading a comic like this, you've you've had that storyline beaten to death. And so just just portraying it in a different medium is not all that a, any any more interesting. Um, it's 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 so well traveled that uh, you know either you're telling that story to kids who are. Either you're telling a story to kids who are just reaching the point where it's new to them, um, or you're tre- or, or you're retreading um, where some where millions of writers have gone before by this point. Yeah, and um, it's interesting because we were much more positive about Morning Glories, which is not dissimilar, but. The difference with Morning Glories is that the school itself was a character. Yeah, and that's I, true. I and I think it's more like uh, Harry Potter in that vein, where Hogwarts itself is a character, and I think you can get away with that school environment much more easily if the school itself is someplace the reader wants to be, not physically, but as in reading stories in that environment. So you you remove. The further you get away from typical school meanness and make the school an interesting place, I think the more palatable that story becomes again. Yeah, you know what? I I guess I agree. Maybe that you know that's maybe that's what I'm missing is, is that the the school, even the school for being a school for you know hitmen uh, and assassins, uh, it actually doesn't come across as having enough character. No, um, it feels like a normal high school, except all the kids talk about how they're kill- going to kill each other. Yeah. Which actually isn't that dissimilar <laughs> yeah, from high school. I was going to say, that still sounds an awful lot like high school. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, so, I mean, I, I, so I, think it's a, I still think it's a strong book. Um, I think it has some really strong elements to it. I want to see, I, unfortunately, I know that they're teasing a big involvement of a character that I just don't care about. Yeah. Um, the, uh, um, I really, I really want to read this for the characters that were introduced, um, you know, in the high school. And then when they, when they left, when they're away from the high school, I want to know more about those characters and that interaction. Um, so, yeah, uh, the, uh, it's a good book. I uh, definitely a good trade. Um, it is. Um, I don't think I will read the second volume. Uh, the acid trip finale which spanned two two and a half issues was so good and i enjoyed it so much but if you remove that element of it i they already they already went to that well i don't see how they're going to follow that up and the rest of the book isn't enough to really make me want to keep reading it yeah um yeah, I can see that they're building. They're building somewhere where I'm, uh, where we're not interested in going. Yeah, exactly. And but I'm not taking anything away from this trade itself because it is quite good. Yeah, the uh, good introduction. Um, a, some a great. Uh, there's some really good writing. Um, there is some excellent dialogue and writing. 
Yeah, excellent dialogue and writing, and uh, uh, the uh, some great um, art transition to um, to note uh, location change and thematic change. Yeah, and the entire acid trip scene, the way it's drawn, uh, they use repetitive panels a lot. Or not repetitive panels, but one panel with the characters drawn multiple times to show progression through it. And the characters will have, like, water, like, they'll be kind of vaporizing. And there's just a lot of really trippy things happening. And it's really well done. And Remender does a fantastic job drilling down into the protagonist, Marcus. Uh, really explaining what motivates him and why he has those motivations that the protagonist is very well fleshed out. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, so I think we kind of, I, I kind of come off with kind of like a, it's kind of like a, like a mixed read it. Yeah. You know? I, I would definitely give it a read it. And mm -hmm. if you love it, read more. I'm personally not going to, but the only, one element, I, I, and then we get to, we kind of glossed past it is that um, this is mentioned as like, this takes place in nineteen, you know, nineteen eighties, early nineties. Yeah, um, that was something that I actually didn't. Uh, I didn't feel enough of that flavor. I kept forgetting. Yeah, yeah. Um, the I, I it, it to me it, it felt like the only reason that they chose that time was to get away from people having cell phones. Um, yeah. Or mo having modern, you know, computers and tech, you know, a lot of modern conveniences. Mm -hmm. Um the uh that's the only you know one of the few reasons because everything every other element that i saw here um from the punk to you know uh to the different kinds of gang members to um and virtually everything here i felt that that also existed like that that's that exists now yeah um, yeah so other than you know somebody saying that they you know had something out for reagan um I just didn't feel there was enough of that uh, year coming through. No, there wasn't much of it coming through. Um, so uh, something that was, was missing. I didn't feel that the um, I didn't feel that the outfits were particularly eighties. No, they didn't feel not or 80s. early nineties. Yeah, um, it was actually the, eighty-seven is when this book takes place. Uh, yeah, but when I guess when they're in the high school. Uh, high school it says 91 no they that's say right. the class of 91 rules oh class of 91 i rules that's right okay so it's a it's late 80s yeah i just didn't feel any of that yeah. um the uh i felt that everything here i it, it felt to me like somebody who was writing about the 80s who had actually forgotten what people <laughs> looked like in the 80s um the uh or they did they they didn't want to they didn't want it to feel too much. Yeah, like the uh, female characters are wearing uh, low-cut jeans, obviously. Yeah. That just didn't exist in the 80s. Uh, that was one thing I noticed immediately. Yeah, the, that the uh, – yeah, it was – so there was something really missing. Just the, uh, It felt like it could have been more – I guess when we talk about the school and the year, what we're saying is is that the uh, the world doesn't have enough of its own character to impart. Yeah, this this book could take place anywhere at any time, and you wouldn't notice the difference, really. Yeah, but when you say it's taking place in a certain time, 
you, there's a certain expectation. expectation. Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not disputing that fact at all. I'm just saying the book claims to be taking place in a certain time, but then doesn't reflect it very well. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's all our criticisms. Um, still, it's a good, good trade, a uh, good uh, read for the fir- for the first trade. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I think ready to move on. Put our demons behind us. Yes. The Punisher has been announced. It's getting a series, and I'm not really sure how I feel about that. I mean, I'm lukewarm. I guess you could say. I don't. I still. I don't like the Punisher. I just don't. I do. Um, I like John Bernthal. I thought he was great. I want to see more of him. I don't know if I want to see a show about him. I, right now, I don't care if Marvel uh, asks uh, Netflix or makes a series for Netflix that is entirely about a tin cup named Roger. Oh, I'm going to watch it. I mean, I, don't, don't I'm get just me wrong. I'm just saying that it's you know what they've they haven't they really have not disappointed yet. No, they're batting and, a thousand. So. And so if if you ever think that you're going to get another a, a good Punisher series, this is probably the best chance we'll get in the you know in uh well you know, for another twenty years or so, when they or fifteen years or so, when they reboot all this shit, yeah. Um, the uh, but uh, yeah, fuck it, I'll watch it. Give it to me. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll watch it for sure too. I just well, and it's not like I just want to see him. I just know if they if they keep the quality where it's at, it's going to be good. I mean, it's yeah. I, I mean, it's like um, one of the biggest things we hear coming out is one of the biggest uh, defenses for comic book movies that don't do so well is that well they gave me this thing that I wanted. Um, I wanted to see so and so punch so and so, and you know what? There's a certain amount of joy or or fun in that, but. When you, when they make something that's actually well written, the story comes together well, um, the uh, you know well acted, um, and just presented, you know, beautifully in theme. I, it's you know you'll take anything like that. Yeah, you know it doesn't matter the character, um, but the uh, so. To have the the Netflix series, which are so well put together, um, the uh, we're two in that we're you know we're three seasons overall, you know three total seasons, get, mm-hmm. counting Jessica Jones and two seasons of Daredevil, and each one of them, you know, you could say you have some you know little, little, you know complaints here and there, but they're still each one of them is amazing television for what a lot of for what we've seen. Oh, they're excellent. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not even just with that qualification. They're just excellent. Um, we, you know, so and then we've got, and so now we've got. We say we have Luke Cage coming up. You know, we have uh, there's Daredevil, Iron Fist, Iron Fist, and I'm like, fuck, I, I just don't even, you know, the before we would, you know, we were talking about comic book movies that were coming up. We'd be like, well, they're gonna fuck that one up. Yep. Um, the uh, and then that changed at some point, but now we're in a now we're at a point where real writers are doing just a great job of bringing these, making these uh, characters and stories come through um, in this medium 
that it's just it's amazing. I, I was like, fuck it, just ma- keep making it. I, I, I want more to watch. Oh, know? yeah, so do I. I just, I'm really, because I'm such a comic dork, I think, in part, I want to see them explore some of the characters that maybe don't get as much traction. I'd love to see a Moon Knight series. I'd love to see Cloak and Dagger. I'd love to see some of the more off-the-wall stuff that Marvel has done. And, you know, I, I'm i going to watch The Punisher. It'll probably be good. I'm, sh- You know, if it's good, I will definitely enjoy it. It's just personal preference that I'm not a huge fan of The Punisher character. And I would kind of like to see other things. But I'm going to watch it. It'll probably be good. So, what am I complaining about at that point? I I, I, I don't know. The uh, what was I saying? Uh, what was it? Uh, Freeform Greenlights Marvel's Romance Superhero Series Cloak and Dagger. <laughs> you did know that, right? What's that? You did know that Cloak and Dagger was greenlit. No, that was an April Fool's joke. Was it? Yeah. All oh, those assholes. Sons of bitches. Why? Wait a second. They did. They did it on April 7th. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was an April Fool's joke. Uh, now you've made me... Uh, hate humanity? Hate humanity, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, no. no. Don't do that to me. <laughs> but anyway, so Punisher's coming out. It'll probably be good. I'm looking forward to Luke Cage and all the other stuff that's coming Screw before you. that Wikip- point. Wikipedia still has it as confirmed. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Well, maybe it's coming, so excellent. So the, I would uh, love to see it. It is... Uh, it Cloak and Dagger development. Um, uh, April revealed live action series. It was, uh, it is scheduled to air in 2017. Okay. So that's cool. For, for free form. The new name of ABC Family because they probably can't call it ABC Family anymore with some of the shit that they show on that. <laughs> yep. <God. laughs> so you want to hop on over to Scurry? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. Scurry is a story of a colony of mice in an abandoned house who are struggling to survive a long, strange winter. The humans are all gone and the sun is rarely seen. As food becomes scarce and many mice fall ill, the scavengers are forced to search farther from their home, braving monster-infested lands in search of anything that will help the colonies survive another day. Written and drawn by Max Smith, and it can be found at Scurry Comic, or it can be found at Tapastic. And this is a, you know, anthropomorphic animal story. The uh, it's a colony of mice, very... Disney in that regard but the big catch is that it appears humanity has destroyed each other through a nuclear winter (laughs) because of course we do because of course we do it's actually a really unique and once I didn't read the description before I started reading the comic Uh, and once I figured out that the humans weren't coming back it wasn't like a summer house that people (laughs) had left for the winter I was like oh well done, sir. Well done. It's mice in the world of Fallout. Yep. And my interest in the book peaked um, a lot after that point. And I really enjoyed the comic. I mean, the the art is just breathtaking. It's, it is. It is really, really good. 
it's done in uh, entirely painted style. And, you know, it's very much in the uh, vein of uh, the Wormworld Saga or something like that. And, yeah, it's just lovely. And there's only about 32 or 34 pages out. I found the book a couple months ago. And uh, it was still too new for us to review. But once it got to a certain point, I said, okay, we have to do this. And, yeah, I, I recommend the hell out of this book. I mean, go find it. Go to scurrycomic.com. I I could watch cats being <laughs> bumbling cats yes. bouncing into each other and the uh, and just either being frightened because something stupid happened or just batting each other. I could I could read that for pages. Yeah, the cats seem somewhat incompetent. At least some of the cats seem somewhat incompetent, and they're distracting the ones who are competent. And then dogs are introduced after that point. So the story quickly creates a hierarchy of, you know, threats, essentially. And within the mouse colony itself, there's a lot of political arguments about whether to move the colony and try to find food, whether to leave the sick behind, you know, or try to stay here and weather through it and find different ways to live. And... It mirrors human society a lot in that regard, which more, most anthropomorphic uh, stories do. But yeah, I recommend everything about this. I'm definitely going to keep reading it. Yeah, uh, it was fun. I, I really had a lot of fun with it. The, uh, <laughs> the chase scene was just great. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. And it's so well drawn. And he actually, during a lot of chase scenes or movement scenes, he'll paint the background static and then blur whatever is in the forefront so that you know motion is implied much like a photograph and yeah it's just it's just great <laughs> i'm a huge fan of this book yeah it, it well it, it the 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 story starts in right away um so it doesn't have a web comic lull yeah um, yeah the uh and then it's just fun and so beautiful mm -hmm. yeah and that is one thing worth pointing out he does not fall in the trap of web comics of here let me tell you about the fall of humanity through the eyes of a mouse this prologue is going to be 180 pages long and it's going to involve a lot of sitting around and talking about everything that's happening no it just starts you're introduced to this mouse who is scavenging you're slowly revealed clues about why he's scavenging and then you realize they, they stumble into some pretty um, gruesome mouse deaths uh, early in the story and about the hurdles they have to overcome. And then you're slowly revealed that, wait a minute, this world isn't normal. There's something wrong. The humans are mm. gone and they're not coming back. And that's, that's reader-only knowledge. The mice obviously don't realize that. And the story just go gets right into it. It doesn't spend a bunch of time explaining anything to you. It's just telling the story and all the other stuff is happening in between those story moments. And that's that's the way it should be done. Yeah. So uh, read it. Yeah. Uh, I, I There's just not a lot to talk about. I could sit here and gush about it, you know, for 20 minutes. But just go read the effing book. It's good. Yeah. So, um... Well, crap. The yeah. uh, 
the uh, I, I'll, I'll read about mice. I yeah, mean, the uh, mice looking for cheese. Yes, that is essentially <laughs> yeah. the story. And avoiding cats. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm reading about a new age Tom and Jerry. Yes, uh, and uh, except Tom is Titan. <laughs> um, the uh, I love the name of that cat. Yeah, <laughs> Titan. <laughs> and he's still. It's uh, such nice little touches. Titan is all scarred up, and one eye is messed up, but he still has his bell because yes. he was once a house cat, and he is now this scraggly monstrosity of evil. But he still has the little bell that you know. He was once somebody's pet. And it's, yeah, little touches like that throughout the book. And it's only about 35 pages right now. But I believe uh, Max Smith is releasing about a page a week. So it's it's considering the detail in each page, a page a week is pretty damn phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for that quality, it's amazing. Yeah. Really uh, good stuff. So read it. For and, sure. Uh, scurrycomic.com yes again. the uh, uh, I, yeah I completely didn't realize uh, know in what format it was when you first sent it I didn't look for a link or anything oh really so uh, first I looked at comicsology and went oh nothing here I'm like oh it must be a webcomic nice so yeah I could have you probably sent me something I think it's in the details of the event or whatever but oh yeah I, I could, don't know, you know or I maybe I didn't that. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, you're that kind of jackass. I really am. So um, that's about all I have for this week. So if if you're in the Minneapolis area the next couple weekends, uh, come visit me at either Wizard World or Minneapolis Comic Con. Come dressed as Prince. Come dressed as Prince. Please come dressed as Prince. That'd be so rad. And that's about all I got. So we're going to be gone for two weeks as I am obviously um, occupied Oh, Otherwise. by the way, everybody, um, this is how I get notified of this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is no pl- – well, there actually is a calendar. Nick never reads it, see? <laughs> and actually, I'm actually pretty good about keeping this calendar updated, but Nick never reads it. So I don't know why I keep doing this, but hey. <laughs> whatever. Fair enough. Well played. <laughs> yeah. Go fuck yourself. Fair enough. <laughs> Oh, the, one of the best that just, lines. That just, made, that just made my day better. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I very much appreciate it. <laughs> Maybe the best line in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Okay, everybody. So thanks for listening. Be sure to drop us a line at countercomic at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at schlockworks.com where you can view podcast archives or check in on our other projects. Or swing by iTunes or Stitcher and give us a review. That's all we have for this week. I'm Brock Beauchamp. I'm Nick Hemsing. Thanks, everybody. Don't let the break us down.